Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by IronCompany.com. All right, today we've got a very special guest. Throughout his active career in international powerlifting, he set over 71 world records. He became the lightest person ever to break the 2,400-pound barrier in the powerlifting total with a 961 squat, a 584 bench press, and the lift most consider the greatest single feat in powerlifting, the 901 deadlift, weighing only 220 pounds. He's broke the all-time total record, regardless of body weight, he, when he squatted 1,019 pounds, bench pressed 583, and deadlifted 887. Now, the incredible thing about this feat was it bested the most any super heavyweight had ever done, weighing only 239 pounds. Marty Gallagher's dubbed him the giant killer. He's known around the world as the greatest power lifter of all time. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Cohn. Thanks, guys. I'm actually really happy to be here. Awesome, man. It's a true honor for us to have you in here. I know sure. you and Marty go way back, so we're going to get into that. And, uh, yeah, just really thank you for taking the time to, to hang out with, with us misfits over here. Let's just have some fun. Yeah. All right, so Marty, where do you want to start out? I mean, how you guys met, or where do you want to go? Well, There's so I, much I, stuff here. I was exhausted after that introduction. <laughs> I listen. I could have gone on and on and <laughs> yeah. on, but yeah, no. After uh, after uh, running down all the all the credentials, it was like, okay, man, that's uh, Marty. Nothing... You you could have done that introduction <laughs> on one breath. <laughs> I'll tell you what, and that's not the half of it. Um, I think the best, uh, the best statistic about Ed, I don't have the book in front of me. I worked out the math one time, uh, when Ed posted the 2,400 total at 220 at the time, the second best totals in the world were all clustered around 2,100. And these were hall of fame guys. These were, I don't know who, Jim Cash, uh, Joe Ladner was a 220er then. Larry was uh, campaigning at a 220. Who else? Ed, Fred, Fred. Yeah. All those, all those two great, great, great 220 pound lifters, and they're all clustered around 2100. Yeah. And then, then Ed comes along and does 2400. And I forget the exact percent. I think it worked out. I'm going to say like 14 percent. Yeah, I think you said that 14 percent improvement. And Ed, don't don't counterdict me when I say this, okay? Because so, every time I say it, you go, "Oh, that's not really true." I think it's there's no other athletic. Uh, I mean, no one else is ever that far ahead of the rest of their contemporaries in any athletic field. I mean, that's like Wilt Chamberlain stuff. That's like Jim Brown stuff. Like that's like something that's so high. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so far out. The way yeah. that you measure, measure greatness is how far out in front of the rest of the world are you? And at the time, the world was really damn good in powerlifting. Like I said, everybody that I mentioned, those are Hall of Fame guys at 220. It wasn't, wasn't like it was a bunch of slouches that, you know, yeah, at that time. the world record was barely over 2,100 at that right. time. Right. That's right. So you, you cracked that by 300 pounds. Uh, you know, and it was uh, space alien stuff. It's what still year is. was that? What year was that? 91. Uh, 91. 91. Okay. Yep. So, and how, how old were you? Uh, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. 63. 28. 28, yeah. Uh, and again, today, you know, we could talk forever about the personalities, but today we really want to drill down on the training specifically, Eddie, the training that, that you were doing at that time. Right. And that, that's the time that, uh, remember when you and Tommy Milanovic put out those great videos? Oh man, yeah. I love that video. Yeah. The we should talk is- about that. I want to, I want to turn it over to Ed now, but I want to talk about that period of time and the training that you were doing because it was so profound then it's so profound now. And of course it's forgotten. Nobody does it, right? Well, that's because everybody, nobody wants to think for themselves to figure out their own bodies now. They want to have someone else do it for them. Yeah, template. You can't do that. Well, what what was your, um, now, what was your, this, this, you had the overall template, you know, with the, I call what you did, like, power bodybuilding. Yes, exactly, because I came from bodybuilding. I mean, I started lifting because I saw, you know, pumping iron like a gazillion other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when I tried powerlifting, I just fell in love immediately. And I actually maxed out twice a week on both lifts (laughs) in the the squat until I hit 500 pounds. And I was like as skinny as could be. Now, Ed, Ed, what age did you start and what did you weigh? Yeah. Um, my first meet was in 1980, and I weighed about 155. 155. Okay. But you're tall. But you're tall. Yeah, you're like yeah. six two, six three. Yeah, reverse. <laughs> <laughs> reverse. How tall are you? You're like five six, five seven. Well, uh, I think I used to be like five six, five seven. I'm probably like five, five little over five five now after two hip replacements. Yeah. <laughs> when, Ed, when you first started lifting, were you lifting in a gym or in a basement, garage? Did you have? I, start, I started off in my basement and then went to an old Chicago health club, which ended up being Bally's. Okay, okay. And so, did you have somebody on the south side you? of Chicago? Did you have somebody helping you at all, coaching you? Or? No, not 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 really. I just uh, read powerlifting magazines. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I did I did old linear pro, uh, progression. Right. But uh, I mastered my body and how I how I felt during exercises and and the the biggest key was uh, how to pick my numbers. Yeah. Well, you're always conservative. Yeah, my my routine was made up before I even started a training cycle with huh. every set rep and uh, weight and exercise before I even started. And I, I treated every heavy compound exercise like a squat bench or deadlift to get stronger in. So I, I picked those the same way so I wouldn't have a weak point. You know, we had to do, back then there wasn't the internet and all that stuff, so we had to do a lot of stuff by instinct. Yeah, we had some power magazines and muscle and fitness and and a lot a lot of that, but we always talk about the uh, lack thereof of information that we had back then. So like you were saying, you really listened to your body and kind of did your own thing and didn't just follow necessarily what everybody else was doing. No, a lot of the guys from Illinois, we have we have world record holders here from uh, Dennis Reed was a squatter, Bill Cena was a bencher, Ernie France was in there, another Ernie, guy, Sam Mangelardi, and some lighter guys. Mostly Sam all those... Sam Mangelardi. All those old guys, old timers, 
they would always like squat bench and deadlift on Saturday and do a little bit of assistance during the week. And I, I never did that at all. That would just kill me. So you did. Well, were you a, we, what was your typical training week? Uh, Monday squat, Tuesday bench with uh, tricep stuff, right. Wednesday off, Thursday I would deadlift, Friday I would come in and do light benches and triceps and, and something else on Saturday, I remember. Where were your shoulders? Where, where were your shoulders? Let's see. No, it was on Monday, Wednesday would be bench and triceps. Thursday, I would just come in and do shoulders. Right. Friday, okay. I was deadlift, and Saturday would be uh, wide grip benches with my feet up with a little bit of uh, curls. Yeah, just to get pumped up before you go to the double feature. Yeah, it's like a, a recovery. <laughs> yeah. Before you get pumped up before you go to the buffet. Like a fun day. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you didn't say beach because, you know, I'm a little pale. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's right. Remember, uh, I talked to Doug about that. that. We don't want to get into personality, but I talked about Doug about that one time. He said, yeah, I said the first time my brother and I saw him at the YMCA Nationals. He said, yeah. uh, he said afterwards, we were driving home, and uh, my brother said, who, who impressed you at the meet? And I said, you remember that really, really, really white boy? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yep, that, that boy looked like, he looked like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah. Who was a Ed? Who was I saw an interview with somebody. Who was it that said we're going to give Ed some color and put some chalk on him or something? Uh, <laughs> Willie Bell. It. Willie Bell, a two forty two pound lifter from uh, <laughs> Deltona, Florida. Uh, we love Willie. And him, uh, him and Gene were cousins, right? Now we're not supposed to get into personalities. <laughs> like back to train. Oh, don't start. Great calves. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Uh, back to training. So that is the classical power bodybuilding split. Each major muscle is hit once a week. Yeah, you do a little, a little extra uh, light benching, but that's really not what we're talking about. Uh, but this is the core four, Jim. This is the same, that, this is the same strategy we teach today, Ed. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You... Right. you Go ahead. It works. <laughs> I mean, it's tried and true for how many years now? Uh, well, blast, recovery in blast, there. Yeah, blast each major lift one time a week. Throw in some, you know, key assistance work, some arm work. We like power cleans, you know, maybe some rows, right? What else? Ed, you like, uh, you're a good chinner, right? You always chin. Yeah, I love, I love rows and chins. I love pause squats. I love stiff leg deadlifts up yeah, the deficit. Yeah. Yeah. Behind the neck presses. Those were huge for you, weren't they? Behind the neck. Yeah. Yeah. Did, and uh, again, just one once a week. That's 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 the important thing. It wasn't like he was blasting these muscles because you can't. No, not 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 when your uh, your end game is total weight as right. to pump. Yes. Yes. Yes, and you're also uh, you 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 you've got your this periodization template going. Where you were always you and Kirk were both always extremely realistic in your self assessment, and you and Kirk and and Doug Furness, you were the only guys that I knew. Although I'm sure there were others, you could go through an entire twelve week periodized cycle written out 
15 weeks before and never miss a rep. No. Miss a, missing a rep is against the rules. That's right. Uh, right. That, well, just you, means, that just means you 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 either didn't write out your cycle right and, and we're a little bit uh, uh, too uh, um, too uh, too overly confident. Yeah, uh, which is which is your you know stupid ego. Your uh, ego. The only other reason to miss was an outside reason. Right. And if you understood my, that, then everything was okay. My uncle died. Yeah, I, 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 I feel a little sick. Uh, something yeah. happened. You know, it's. I ran over a pedestrian. But Ed, oh, no, I, I still, I still make the race. <laughs> Ed, you were real conservative and real careful because you, you certainly didn't want to get an injury or anything like that. So I think you had certain guidelines in place for yourself, like you wouldn't exceed uh, a certain jump. Uh, you wouldn't go over a certain amount per week, you know, even if you were feeling strong, like you had limitations. No, it, was, it was, it was already written out. I realized when I was younger that if I change anything at, at the beginning or middle, it fucks up the ending. Yeah. So and, the result is different. Yeah. yeah. Stay on the path. That's right. That's and J, J, JP, that's a great point because you look at, and, and again, we, um, we Ed, I've, Ed and I together created Kirk, and I think if he would agree when we say this, Ed and I used to talk. We talked back when I worked at the warehouse. We had to, I had time, so we would talk almost every week, and we talk about Kirk. We talk about oh, we got this kid, you know, he's a knucklehead, but you know, what are you going to do? So you know, we. It was it was after <laughs> I met Kirk at the Nationals in Vegas, and uh, he had all these protections because he was, you know. Uh, larger than life in his own mind at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Baby. Yeah, but, you know, he was really young and he was crazy in a good way, yeah. but, you know, and he just needed to be reined in. And that's when that's when you came to me and asked me what kind of training that I did do. And that's when we started training. Yep. And that's when uh, uh, your, your and my minds together figured out Kirk you know his training was a little bit different where he could handle some little bit more heavy weight at the end for like a, a, a single not a max but a single to uh, to help his mind out and feel a little more weight and uh, then that Kirk Kowalski was made and again uh, Kirk we the thing that we did with Kirk and we talked about this back and forth was Kirk needed to bring up his weak points yeah he was a great squatter so what that doesn't win your world championships. You got to be no. a balanced lifter, right? Your your bench press and your deadlift suck, Kirk. And you got to bring it up. And and but you know what? For ten years, that's what he did. He yeah, brought up his weak points. Matching mine at the end. All right. We're not supposed to talk personality. You know? Can I say one sport. more thing though? Can I say one more thing sure. about Kirk? Sure. Uh, you know, when you guys talk about him, because everybody's always saying they created, you know, they had a, it was like the, the Marty Gallagher, you know, uh, experimental group. Dr. And, Frankenstein. Uh, I re Dr. Exactly. I recall Franken that. Like Kirk's on, laid out on this bed and you guys have lightning bolts <laughs> flying all over and you're wheeling him up to the top of the building. And, and it was pretty uh, close to that. That's how Kirk was born. Yeah, it's pretty close though. Pretty close, pretty close. to that. When you say Ed, I mean, I think between me, you, and Anthony DeRizzo, 
Yeah, and I, and I think Sigmund Freud in there too. <laughs> Still with us? Yeah. Do you do you think he should have gone into wrestling like some of the other guys did? Nah, he would have gone. No. He could have been Where? like an early Ultimate Warrior. You know, well, running out yeah, like right. he's crazy. I think yeah. he would have lasted on the road back then. No, no, no. He <laughs> ended up dead, dead in a hotel room with yeah. four hookers. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to training. Yeah. So, uh, you. The, 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 you, you mentioned right at the start, Ed, about your assistant stuff, and you treated it just like your the big lifts. So how did that, when you're talking about like bent over rows and stiff legs, you had a goal, you know, you know what weights you were going to hit each time you went in on those also? Yeah, but I, I peaked them out just like just like a, a, a meat training cycle. Oh, okay. Just with linear periodization, I did those too. Brian Scootfeld, an old strong man, we used to, after deadlifts, we used to have a bent over row contest for, you know, what we were supposed to do that day. Yeah. And that, that was, I thought that's a great exercise for deadlifts. That it really helps your deadlift, don't you think? Yeah. And uh, close grips, inclines, uh, behind the neck presses, bent over rows, stiff leg deadlifts, anything heavy like that was, was uh, periodized. Okay. What, were you, what weight were you, put, were you pulling back then on bent over rows? Because you had a massive back. Uh, 550 or so, or 578 for a couple, something like that. <laughs> well, Rob Wagner said he went and saw you train at quads one time, and you pulled like 700 for five with no belt, uh, standing on a plate, and then took a couple plates off and did like 550 on a bent over row for a set of eight or something like that. For, yeah, you know, I used to love that. it. Yeah. I, I used to do some really good stuff without a belt. That's how, that's how I built my real core. It wasn't through ass. Yeah, that's right. That's right, because we used to train with no gear in the off season. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's how your body, you know, that's adaptation right there. It, that's right, you know, brother. Either you and that, either you adapt or die, and your body's going to adapt. Yeah, and, and and that's why the physiques were so much better back in the day. You look at the physiques back then compared to the, you know, the the modern era, and. Everybody was harder and bigger and thicker and fuller, and it's because everybody bore the weight, right? Everybody. Yeah, because there, there, there was there wasn't the equipment at the amount of equipment back. No, and yeah. and and the lifts were strict. The squats were below parallel. The deadlifts were locked out. The bench press were ridiculous. I mean, what did we get out of our bench shirts? Twenty, thirty pounds? Ed? Oh, not not even that. Oh my god, uh, it was out of those horrible things. Those things were. <laughs> God awful. Uh, yeah, they they leave like scars in your armpits. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and yeah, to have a crew of guys to put them on. So uh, we we look like Gulliver and the Lilliputians <laughs> trying to put put one on Mike Hall. Oh my God! The six foot three, four hundred pound black guy who he they go uh, on deck, Mike Hall. I think and, you were being nice when you said four hundred pounds. Yeah. I, Marty Marty, I saw him this this uh this past <laughs> year. I saw him in Chicago. I love Mike. APL Nationals coaching someone. How did he look? I love Mike. Very, very good. Good. He's a good Christian man from Delaware. Yes, he was really, really nice. Good. He's a beautiful guy. I love has him. Anyway. Wait, I guess he has. Yes, yes, a lot. Okay. I'd expect that. All right, but no personalities. Back to training. Uh now you were great in chins. Like give us some of your poundages in your chins. Well, after I, I would always wait, you know, because I do uh, 
my deadlifts, then bent over rows, then I do chins at the end, which is what Doyle Kennedy told me to do because I, I would get more stretch out of my spine and it would open things up a little more, a little decompression. Mm, yes. And uh, I used to go up to a, a, I don't know, medium to wide grip chin with a 100-pound dumbbells strapped across me just for six or eight reps. At the end of your workout? Yeah. Oh. So, 100. Yeah. Yeah. But that's and, after, and that's each rep lifting bent over rows, too. Yeah. Well, also, each rep chin over bar, and no big deal. It's just part of what, what you doing. did. Yeah, just what you did. A finisher. It's a finisher. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same with your tricep pushdowns where you had to have guys standing on your toes to keep you from launching yes. into the air. Yes, and they'd have to push the weight down. It would be the stack plus, <laughs> plus weight on top of it. Like the from the, the old, old universal machine, like one yeah. of those universals that weighed yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. 50,000 pounds of itself. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, were you doing any forced reps on anything? No. No. Never, Just huh? get your reps, <clears throat> reps that are called for that day, and I'm out of there. Well, not even on the accessory stuff. None nope. of that. Uh, and again, because, listen, part of what makes a cone or makes a Kowalski or makes anybody pass a certain level is they have the mental ability to turn a single into a triple, a triple into a five, a five into an eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mentally, because they're strong and, and they can do it because you can just stand there and gut it out and you can make it happen if you're strong in your head. We don't. That's our forced reps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is the highest rep range you would go up to? Ten. Ten max. Okay. Yeah. On the assistant stuff, or, or when you started your cycle on your squat? Even even assistant stuff, I, I never went past ten. Right. Right. But and on the big lifts, you, you stayed lower, lower reps. I started off as training cycle at tens. Okay. Okay. And so you do a few weeks to tens, and drop them to eights, and five and triples, doubles. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then the equipment would be added as you got closer, as you, as needed? Um, well, the most of my weeks was uh, spent on fives. That was, that was more the strength, the strength stuff. Okay. You know, the, uh, the tens and eights was more for uh, a, a little bit of speed, but in, in endurance and technique because you had to hold your technique when you got tired. Sure. Yeah. And um, and then triples and doubles were more for just feeling the weight out and helping me uh, peak. Yeah, it's just so logical. And fives are the perfect combination between high rep hypertrophy and low rep power. Yeah. yeah. Just get good at your damn fives. Their whole world will come together. Right? And you'll get you'll get big and thick as shit too. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that last week. It's the perfect yeah. combination of hypertrophy and strength. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, if you notice, if you watch the Ed videos. He's not standing there on rep number three and huffing seven breaths. These are these are reps done on the breath. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. Okay, it's not. You and know, that ain't easy. That no, ain't I, easy. Yeah, no, I think not. I think like the the best in the bench I did was four fifty five for ten on one breath. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like a you're like a deep sea diver. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Wow. Oh. Uh, also, the manipulation of body weight—that's important. I mean, I mean, you started setting world records as a one eighty-one pounder. Yeah, I did that with the the, the deadlift. Yeah, 
But I mean, I mean, you know, and, and over time, you know, eventually you matured as a 242 pounder. Yeah, I was, I was a, a pretty light 242 pounder. Yeah. Um, I just gained weight so I could squat over a thousand safely. I think I could have done it at 220, but I started to have to cut weight and I didn't want the, the lower body fat with that heavier weight because I knew something bad would happen. Yeah, and again, uh, you know, I think that there's two Ed Cone careers looking at it retrospectively, and one is before the hamstring pull that stopped you from pulling sumo, and the other is the period after. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, a hamstring, and on the other side, it was an adductor. Yeah, and, and it didn't, it didn't, didn't happen in lifting, did it? Yeah, actually, the the hamstring didn't, but the adductor did. Okay. I, uh, I was one of my warm ups with seven sixty, I believe. Uh huh. And it shot off. Everything came off the the bar. I would I would put so much tension on the bar, I could get seven sixty to leave the floor without even trying to pull it. Right. Right. And it came off the floor so fast that all of a sudden, bum pop my my doctor pop because it like it came off the floor and then my muscles realized after that what they had to do and they all grabbed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and then the, the the when did the other one happen the, now the other one was a hamstring yeah was it, um, was it a hot would you remember if it was a high insertion or a low insertion um low okay mm. So what? How did that happen? We running or something? I ran after somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like you know, you know those videos where they show a sniper and it shoots and then somebody falls down. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And 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 from that point forward, you couldn't do sumo anymore, right? Well, you know, I really didn't try again. I figured, oh, it, it happened right be, right at right before a. Uh, a nationals and i figured you know what yeah let it let it go see what I, I could i i i lifted conventional off season anyways yeah um so right i figured uh why not just go conventional let's see what well, i can get up to what well, wasn't your strategy to get as strong as possible in the conventional and then only use the sumo for what the last four weeks before competition yeah it was it was a uh, six six workouts before before six. meet i would switch yeah. over so you was uh, almost like you had that in your hip pocket, like, okay, now I'm going to pull out my real gun. Yeah, literally. Because <laughs> uh, conventional and, and deficit stiff leg and deficit conventional, those helped my sumo more than anything else. And so whatever you could conventional, you could do X number of pounds more sumo. Yes. Do, do you know? remember what your ratio was? Was it like 50 pounds or 40 pounds? Or do you remember? No, hey, if, I, I, don't, I don't even remember. I never even, I never even got into the science back then. Like that. Uh, you know, I... Go ahead, buddy. The sumo was basically a hybrid almost. So it wasn't like, you know, you see those guys now where they got the super wide sumo, but yours was... Yeah. I, I got legs like a Oompa Loompa and Neanderthal. Yeah, he's arm. not going that wide. <laughs> he's he's maxed out. So I would I would grab the bar, put a bunch of tension on it, and wiggle into the position yeah. that felt like I could get the best of both worlds. Right, right. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, what we called it looking at the pictures of your starting position. 
when I describe it to students, I said, yeah, you can use that ultra-wide stuff. Or I said, you can use Cone's gorilla stance. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, that's you what know, it looks like. Being called a gorilla is the only – is, is, powerlifting is probably the only sport that you could do that, and it's a compliment. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, I think Kirk's was uh, shaved ape or something, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. He's he's now you know I got now not to get in personalities. You know how I got you know how I got that name. He's walking down the beach in Ocean City. He's at his rock that peak. He's yeah. wearing like he's wearing like a yellow speedo and sunglasses, <laughs> right? And somebody goes past him, and the the passerby goes, "Who shaved that ape?" <laughs> yep, that's perfect. He, he loved that. He said. He, he said. He, he said. It. He said. I was so proud. In that yeah. beach video, you know the, the that's uh, when it was. That's when he metrics got, and beer. So it shows him getting that. He he went and got an ape tattoo on his shoulder. <laughs> By the way, if uh, if, if you guys there. Ed, have you seen the the video of Kirk drinking beer and metrics together? Uh, he was enormous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a monster. The best thing I like about that video is how he's on the, the boardwalk and these kids come up to him and start poking him like a beach jellyfish. <laughs> they they like, couldn't believe what they were seeing. They've never seen a, a Frankenstein walking down the beach. Oh, oh, yeah, especially in those days. Oh, yeah, God. right. Uh, yeah, he's like... Of, uh, Coors Light in that body. Whew, yes, there was. I heard all about it. Oh, my God. We got some stories we can't tell, right, Ed? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Oh, God, we know where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> what about, uh, how did you push your body weight up? I mean, how did you gain quality body weight throughout I, I your career? I, I, I let nature take its course. Okay. so okay. just as it, as it went up, it went up. I never had a huge appetite. No. So as it went up, I let it go up. If it, if it got too far over a certain, my weight class... Then it was time to move up. What was your nutrition like when you started, and then how, kind of how did it change as, as you went through your career? It, it never really changed. It was <laughs> it was I ate whatever I want, but I made sure I got enough protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it, was it. He was notoriously not a big eater. Everyone expected him to be like, well, if you go out with Karwaski or Bob, you know, it's like going out with, uh, I don't know, starving people at a, to a banquet or something it's yeah. you know they're like joey chestnut trying to set some new big mac record <laughs> and with ed it's just like you know he he'll leave stuff on the plate if he's not hungry i mean you know it's not food doesn't just i mean i know you enjoy it but it's just like you're not a purposeful glutton like a lot of lifters yeah and no, it's interesting, uh, interesting. I, I, I didn't want to feel uncomfortable yeah yeah. Same thing with your. Sounds to me like you sat back and looked at everything, and we're like, "This is how my body reacts to this lifting. This is the program I need to do. Yes. This is what I like. I know." Yeah, I was, I was. I was really introverted when I was young. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly. I would sit back and I was very good at observing. Yeah, and figuring it all out. That is great. Man. So. So through your day, would you try to eat? You were eating whatever you wanted with some maybe some extra protein. But were you trying to get in, you know, meals every two or three hours on the dot or what? No, well, I just ate when I was hungry. Really? Okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I freaking love it. Just- yeah. I was always pretty instinctive, you know. 
you know, how do you manage your weight now? I People ask, I said, well, I have a mirror. <laughs> I can look and see. And what are my energy requirements for the day? There. There you got it. it. Oh, here's another one. Am I fat? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if the answer is yes, then, you know, got to do something about it, dude. Yeah, as long as you keep your protein high, you're always going to have, have muscle. You're always going to keep your muscle on. You know? <laughs> Move more, eat less shit. There. Yeah, what, it's that, it's what, simple. Really and what, what, were your, what were your daily requirements on protein? You were trying to eat a certain amount of grams? No. no. <laughs> I, counted, I looked in the mirror. Yeah. I love it. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is just no. So... It's not. It's it's just it's, it's not crazy. It's, well, it's he's it's age. He's getting older. Right. Right. He's starting out as a I don't know what an eighteen year old guy at one eighty one, and he's he's just getting to going into manhood. We're talking a ten year period from the time. I'm still waiting for puberty. Oh no! It'll happen. No. Don't worry. Just hang in there. <laughs> um, oh. Now you have here's an here's another oddity about Cone. <clears throat> uh, he's got enormous hands and feet, mm. big ass hands and feet. Again, it's it's um, the hands are certainly an attribute. I know there's a there's a there's a picture on my Instagram account where I I, I was doing a, a three finger palm on a basketball. Yeah, hey. three finger. No yeah. kidding. And long arms. Long arms, too. Yeah. There's there's another one of you holding your hands against a, I think it was like a basketball player or some big guy. No, that was Bob, Bob Myers. Bob oh, that was Bob Myers? Myers? At his 330-pound biggest, yeah. And, well, and Bob Myers is what, 6'3", 6'5"? 6'5". There's a picture somewhere. It shows me and the Russians, the big Russians. It was, you know, KK, the deadlifter. <laughs> yeah. Kirill the bencher and uh, Mikhail Koklev. We all put our hands up. We all had the same size hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were, your, were your parents like this? I mean, was your, did no, your dad have? No, not at all. How about your siblings? Nope. <laughs> so you were built for powerlifting. It's obvious. Pretty much, yeah. And oh, what, you, got, you got size 11 shoes? Uh, depends on the brand, but 11 and a half to 12. That's crazy, man. You're like five, six. Yeah. <laughs> that is so great. But you know what? Only if Kurwaski had those hands. Oh, he would have, there'd be records he would have set that nobody could beat now. Oh, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. Uh, your 900 deadlift was actually a second attempt, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh. I actually called for 898 to break the 2400 mark, which gave me like 2402. Yeah, we called her plus runner over. And the uh, the weights ended up uh, being heavy that day, so they reweighed all the weights afterwards. Yep. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, we we called Gloss runner over and said, uh, and you said to him, and I remember you said they better weigh out heavy, Herb, and he said no problem. Yeah, because uh, uh, because it was important. The... We were trying to break the nine hundred pound barrier. We've... Oh, oh, it's eight ninety nine and three quarters. Oh, thanks a lot, Herb. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it ended up being nine oh one. But I the the cool thing is is I had doubled that before yep. the meet. Yep. And that and was you... done without a deadlift bar and all that other. Oh yeah. It was two hour weigh ins and all that shit. Uh, yeah. And uh, you'd squatted what nine. 
80 for a double, what, three days before? Yeah, it was, uh, and I think at the meet I ended up with a 964, and I tried a 992 right. or something, or something along that line, and uh, I just tipped forward and missed it. Got bent forward. Yep. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. see the, the deadlift uh, experts or professionals who only deadlift at some of those meets and are, you know, imagine – have a 964 and then 990 and then going to deadlift, you know, that's, that's a, right. That's, a that's big, right. Yeah, that's right. And there, and, it, and those deadlift bars make a huge difference. Make a huge difference. Yeah. The deadlift bars in the 24 hour weigh-ins can make a big difference. Yes. Oh yes. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if for the beginner, well, to intermediate, your advice is going to be stick to the, to the core lifts, right? Plus, no, my, my advice for everyone, my advice to everyone, everyone, their whole damn career is stick to the core list right. and add in stuff as needed. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the outer? In other words, what's the next layer out? The in, inner three would be squat bench dead. The next layer out would be what? Uh, overhead press? Uh, yeah, some you, type of shoulder press for stabilization, some big row exercise. And uh, something else to balance something out to where you know you're going to have a weakness. Arms? Um, arms are so easy that you could always throw that shit in there. Right. But I would say more something either for, uh, for, for back or hamstrings. Yeah. Yeah. What were you pressing behind the neck back in the day? Um, I did a pretty very comfortable 400. So... I mean, how are your shoulders from from all that? Are you still good or no? Not they're not they're not good at all. Actually, and you know what? I and I had my two hips replaced, but I'm pretty sure most of that is my mom had a a pretty good history of osteorheumatoid arthritis for years and years and years, mm -hmm. and I seem to be the one that got that. Yeah, could be. So it's not necessarily the ball joints wore out as a result no, of the, no, the lifting. It just, it just wore out early. Uh, yeah. My power lift, uh, the amount of weight may have sped it up a little bit. But, right. you know, I think that's what head, happened. Yeah. You know, my, head, my mom had two knees, a hip, a shoulder replaced. Um, her hands were pretty fucked up from arthritis. Her hey. toes went a different way. And she would still get up and go golf nine holes. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I think I think you're right about your hips because look how many people get hip replacement and they never power lifted, they never weight lifted, you know, they just carry yeah. on through life. Some of them were runners or whatever, you know, that can speed it up too. But I think you're right. But you went yeah, my first hip my first hip replacement I did in Norway, and they were still doing metal on metal stuff here. And back in Norway, they said, uh, 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 uh we don't do this, and this is the reason why. Mm. And sure enough, like six months later, that's when all the cases came out against, you know, metal on metal. But my my surgeon there said, uh, I just don't want you doing a lot of running and jumping. <laughs> and my answer was, uh, okay. my lifestyle is not really going to change that much. <laughs> did, you, did you actually ask him, like, you know, because he knew who you were, I'm sure. I mean, did you ask him, hey, what's my max squat? What should no, it be he now? He didn't know who I was, but... Uh, he said, I have no problem with your powerlifting. Wow. Good. Yeah. All right. But he didn't understand that you were going to be going, you know, what are you doing with those artificial hips? You uh, Five, oh, sixes? He, he understood that, that, that I was still going to go over 600 or more pounds. 
Yeah. Oh, he did. He didn't okay. have a problem with it. Okay. Now, how long ago was your first hip replacement? Uh, was it like eight years or something? So you were done competing when you had it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I felt it coming on before my last meet. And then I waited a couple <sighs> years before I even had it done. Um, they said, see how long you can go without getting it done because the uh, advan- advancements... Are, are so rapid. So I waited till I was in crutches and crying my eyes out all the time before I had it done. And it was a, it was a mess. How did you originally feel it coming on? What were your symptoms? Um, a little bit of pain and I couldn't go as wide as I did in the squat and flare out. So I had to start closing up my stance and squat and deadlift. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, pain, pain will is the God. Yeah. And the, and the pain doesn't necessarily hit your hip. My pain was hit where everything inserts down on the side and the lower lower part of the knee. Yeah. Uh, you were you, you relatively, after that hamstring and adductor, you didn't get injured for a while after that, didn't you? Were you, were you pretty much injury-free after that? Yeah, I was injury-free. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, that, I tore a little chunk of bicep once. That was it. But I, that, never, I never had to have surgery. It was just a little chunk of muscle that gave me a better peak. Well, and, that, and that's <laughs> yeah, like Arnold. That's that's uh, a a great testimony to having a plan and sticking to the plan. Because if you go off the rails, you say, "Oh, I feel great today. I'm going to do another set of five, or I'm going to do force reps," like we were talking about. That's when this kind of bad stuff happens. But if you have the plan and stick to the plan, you know your body. That staves off the injuries. Yeah, I didn't have to do anything for for the gram or for likes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And for the first eight weeks of every cycle, you, he manhandled everything. The same with Kirk. For the first eight weeks, it's like, you don't want to be grinding weight, man. <laughs> you really don't. You want to save the grind stuff for the last four weeks. Ed, by no, the way, this that, that's, that, that, that pretty much goes to a lot of the stuff that uh, Hatfield learned over the years. With, uh, yeah, compensatory acceleration. Acceleration, but mm-hmm. it, it has to do with not going. You don't have to go so light. You have to have a certain load on. But it's the force that you, you you put into it out of the hole, whether it's squat, bench, or deadlift, or whatever exercise, that that is what what gives you that explosive power. Exactly, right. and you don't want to lose that for the first for the first two thirds of the cycle. That's the whole deal. You no, save it all the. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You now you've got the momentum going. But that means that you've got to be very, very accurate in your self-assessment coming into the cycle. And as Ed pointed out, too many, too many guys are uh, ego uh, inflated, and they start these cycles out heavy. And if you start out and you got to grind weight to make your reps, then you are dead in the water. It's just you're going to last maybe three, four weeks, five or six weeks if you really got willpower. But but it's not going to work. That's not what it's about. Everybody tries straight line periodization. Ah, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work because you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Going too heavy, too fast. Mm-hmm. And I meant to ask pick, you. Pick, pick everything. You got. You, it's like it's like plotting the map. You you got to know where you're going and how you're going to get there before you start your trip. Yeah. And as right. long as you stick to that, you're going to get there in X amount of time. But you will get to the destination you want. After you get to that destination. You can replot your map to get to a different destination. Right. Well, as I as I said before, um, I, I in a quote, I never set out 
to lift this amount of weight or, or be the greatest. I just tried to get better. And if I did that four or five, four, at least four training cycles a year over a long period of time, you're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Especially when you have a 20-year career. Yeah, yeah 28 years. <laughs> hey, let me ask you. I almost forgot. What's, uh, what do you think of uh, stem cell therapy? I think it's great. Uh, d depending on where you get it done, because like over here, they can only give you so much, so many millions of you know stem cells. Yeah. Where some places overseas, like I went to Medellin, Colombia, a place called Bioaccelerator, and you know in each shoulder they put twenty million. So is that the procedure where they harvest your own uh, cells? No, no. These are taken from uh, these are umbilical cord ones, which are the highest grade that you could possibly use. Okay. Well, what's what you've had it done? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had one shot done in one of my hips, and the muscles around my first hip replacement, bam, done, no problem. I what do you mean? What do, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what do you mean, bam, done? I have no pain anymore. Oh, okay, cool. Wow. Okay. I had uh, uh, 50 or so million IV, so systemically, so it took away a ton of inflammation in my body. No brain fog anymore, nothing. I could hear a fly go by. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, That's uh, interesting. I've never heard of that that approach. I've, I've just heard oh, of the part yeah. where you put it in the, the joints and everything. No, they do it systemically. It takes wow. care of a lot of everything else. And then the ones I had... Not, like the joints of my shoulders aren't too bad, but I still have three little tears in each shoulder that I'll probably go back and get them injected right into the little muscle tears themselves to heal it. But when I was over there, I saw a guy who, who had had a stroke years before <clears throat> all of a sudden move one part of his body and raise his left arm up that were completely paralyzed the next morning. <clears throat> No kidding. Why don't we have this here? I mean, well, the, with the umbilical cords, it was uh, you yeah, know, it's they, an issue. They, right? They're all they're all you know from aborted babies, and they're you know not all donated and stuff. Oh. But they could do it where they're all donated here, and it would be legal. Okay. Um. So it's you know like some crazies on one side politically are you know screaming about whatever. But it comes down, uh, the other part comes down to the fact that uh, they can work. And they can work really, really well. So uh, I'm sure the medical community would want some of that. Now, is that, that's a long, long-term thing, right? It, it, this isn't something that'll go away in three months. No, when something's healed, it's healed. Ah, so you don't have to keep doing it. Right. Huh. Now wow. you can re-injure you, you re it again. You've got to be... Yeah. That, no, I know. I just didn't know if that was like a one-time thing or not. Yeah, Jim, I think you and I need to go down there with Ed and see what's going on. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'm going to see if I can go there at the end of August or something. It's an easy flight. Either you fly through Panama or you fly through Miami. Yeah. Well, you know, Jim's back up to 320 again. I don't think he can fit in the seat. So maybe I'll just go. Yeah, well, you know, he'll have to buy two seats. <laughs> When, and when wear we were a on mask. our way to Australia in '88, um, I sat in back of O.D. Wilson. Oh yeah. And Huge. when the uh, the flight attendant got done doing her spiel with safety, she handed O.D. the extra part of the seatbelt. Yes, sir. <laughs> the extender. I know another story about what happened on that trip. 
Oh, that's right. No personalities. This 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 show. I'll save it for the next. Yeah. Well, Ed, you were the you were the strongest guy in the world at one time, and you fit just fine in a uh, airplane seat. That's uh, well, fit and fine, meaning my feet didn't really touch the ground. That's. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have a picture of that, do you? No. (laughs) Destroyed. Ed, what about mentally um, getting ready for your workout? So you're going in there to squat 975 or 950 for a double. How did you prepare mentally for those days? I would, uh, since I, like I said, I was pretty introverted. Right. Um, I would just go inside myself. Would you use visualization? You would think about the list. Think oh, how I, I, my visualization, I could feel it. Yeah. Mm. I knew exactly right. how everything was going to feel. How I was getting under the bar, how I was feeling my hands on the bar, how I was wiggling in and getting tight. I knew how, we, how everything was going to feel. But my confidence level, I don't think you can, I think you could say, you know, there's a lot of studies on people building, you know, mental strength and stuff like that. Um, I think you could say these people did this beforehand, but that doesn't give you, it can set you up to have the ability to be in a better position to do, to have you know, positive mental attitude and stuff, but not until you do something time and time again and succeed, do you, do do you develop that positive mental attitude? Right. It based on the numbers I hit all cycle where we never missed, where it always took us down the road and we knew where we were going and we were confident in our ability that, uh, it it was already done deal. Yeah. Yeah. By the time that, yeah, your confidence was sky high because you're so successful. It builds on itself. What happens is that continual success creates enthusiasm. That's different than willpower. Willpower is finite. You know, you run out of willpower. Right. Enthusiasm comes because you keep hitting your numbers. You're hitting your numbers. You're hitting your numbers. You're hitting your numbers. You're getting bigger. You're getting stronger. <clears throat> and you get that momentum going. And man, it's wonderful to see. But, yeah. but, but how that works is the fact that you did your homework beforehand and set up a training cycle where you knew already that you would never miss. Ah, and you got that momentum coming into it. Yeah. It's all doable and you have confidence and you know where you're going and you know, you can get there. And every week it was just, let me do this with good technique. And I know I'm going to get it. We used to, I used to, I, let me just say one thing. I used to set up uh, cycles for uh, Mark Chalet. Mark would always want to start with more. And I had this phrase that I developed. I said, Mark, I said, you got to dare to be weak. Yeah. You got to yeah, start gotta, this cycle off. You got to learn how to move the weight, move it correctly before you move up. Oh, he wanted to start the cycle off with, uh, you know, 830. And it's like, okay, yeah. great. And where are we going to go in three weeks? Yeah. Uh-huh. Then usually it, a, a lot of things in life, if after you, after you, someone says something, you say, and then what? <laughs> like come, come on man i mean you know so i want to pull i want to pull you know 920 and i said well you know i don't think that's going to happen buddy hey hey marty in your book getting back to the psych part of this um in your book you describe it as uh his pre-meat psych was fierce and frightening so what did that look like i mean he, ed well, he you were an introvert you're kind of a quiet guy by nature i think so that that must have been quite a uh you know, just a 
you know, you must have been way different at that time. You know, you become somebody else at that time. You have to be because you're about to, you know, you're doing your thing, what you were put on earth to do. Let, so let me let me answer that for him. So please. what's that Thank look you. like? All right. It's it's real simple. He was not any meek or mild individual by the time I met him. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. He was already I'm watching him from the audience going, look at this guy. Yeah. Right. I saw him at 181 first time. When was that? Chicago? I think so. No. Uh, was that? Uh, uh, Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, right. At the great meets. Oh, and also back in the day when we only had one national and world championships. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. One world champion, one national champion. Beautiful. You know, back in the days of purity. Now you have the world champion of Akron, Ohio, the world champion of Texas, yeah, the world champion of Chicago. Things. Right. Everybody's a world champion. Right, Ed? Too many. Oh, my God. But back in those beautiful days, that's when I first saw this guy. And by the time that I actually met him, he was a full 220 er And, you know, he was a grown man. I think how many world records did he have? JP 70 over 70, right? Over 71, right? Yeah, well, he yeah, was probably never really counted. Someone yeah, else of course did, we did. Somebody else know. did. But uh, at the time that I that I, you know, he wanted to work with me, you know, he was 30 world records into his thing. <laughs> I don't know how many national records uh, and working with Doug for Ness. I think Doug was a was a good influence on our training, too. Right. I talked to yeah, Doug about great, training. He was, he was a great influence. He's He's the one who would have his numbers all written out beforehand. He taught me a lot with that. Um, your expertise at the meet was you would have every single thing timed out on when to take exact attempt yep. and have the bar ready. Yep. That is huh. like That's cold huge, at man. a contest. Yeah. It was like running a NASCAR pit crew. Exactly. Right? And I got Eddie and Ed the most the, the thing that probably freaked me out as most as anything that's happened to me in my life is this is at the 2400 meet. And he goes, um, I want you to call my numbers. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't put it. What? What? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Really? I really, really don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> notoriously the, the lifter himself <sighs> at the time they can feel how the weight is, but they don't see how it's moving, which and is two different things. I can't remember who your number one training partner was at the time, but I pulled him over and I said, okay, what's, what did he do you know, last night? And that's how we worked it. You know, we worked off what, what was his best double, what was his best triple, and that's how we tried to move you in. But the reason we called the squat that we did is because he had you had done more in training, and the deadlift, you had actually doubled 900. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to put it on a second attempt. The problem, you would have pulled the 920 that day, but what we didn't count on is the emotional, the impact yeah. in the crowd was so incredible. They went so berserk. There was an emotional drain. This is the first guy to do 900. Again, you know, the greatest lift in the history of powerlifting just happened, and now you're going to get calmed down and do 920. No. Yeah, it was anticlimactic. I was too revved up. Yeah. And again, you had squatted not only 960 successfully, but a 980 miss. Yeah. Ed, right. let me ask you. Let me ask you. When, when Marty was calling out these numbers, 
do you remember in your head what you were thinking? Like, did you have any thought behind that? Was like, oh, that sounds right, or maybe that's a little bit too much. What were you thinking? No, I never ever had to think that was too much. So you didn't think about it. You just went and did it. I just went yeah. and followed the rules that I set forth and yeah. how I set up. If everything was perfect setting up, you're that's a variable you don't have to worry about. So it's just do your thing. Now, Marty, trust me, with- trust me you're not going to overshoot him. You, okay, now, Marty, you'd be, yeah, you'd be respectful of, of what he did, and you look at what he did, and that's how you you know you pick you pick conservatively. Now, Marty, did you have the uh, the the board like in the gym bag ready for Ed to uh, go out on stage or no you know, no no no? Did no, he no, would he bash was, his forehead into the bar or anything? Like no, that? you didn't. No, you didn't need to do that. You need to keep other people away from him so they didn't disturb his psyche. Right. His yeah. psych was perfect. His psych was perfect. But in the, here, oh, here comes a well wisher. Hey, Ed, could I get an autograph and a picture? And it's like, whoa, hey, yeah, you can't me. have Beep. that. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. And lo- always where Ed went, there was a Chicago posse. Yeah, I had my boys all the time. <laughs> yeah, he always had eight guys around him that could have formed a Chicago chapter of the Hells Angels. Did, well, did nobody, nobody talks about. He used to wrap his Ed wrap his <laughs> knee. Yeah. I had great guys around me. Oh, beautiful guys. But I'm saying, that just the, we talked about this the other week about the equipment and stuff. You know, you got to have two, you know, a guy wrapping your right knee, a guy, you just wrapped your own knees, got up to the bar, did it. You know, people don't talk about how much energy that actually And the could. suit, and the suit was nothing. It was the like a single, right? The suit you could yeah, put Yeah, my, my suits were all like. Uh, put them up with two fingers. Two it was no problem. already. And yeah. and, the, and to put the straps up on the shoulder, some guys you had to have three guys. Yeah. When we put Mark Dimaduck into a super suit, we had to have three guys put this guy into this little <laughs> tiny suit, right? With Ed, it's just like one strong guy uses two fingers and puts the straps up. It's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I learned that. Uh, listen to my own body. That I had to squat with purpose and speed. Yes. And. If I I wasn't in control, if the suit was tight, because you, you can't hit it the way you want to. No, <clears throat> no, that that super tight suit are for the guys who can't squat. Yeah, and they, they more equipment. Oh uh, yeah, baby, because again, you know, oh I won't, yeah, we won't get into it. So anyway, yeah, uh, the 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 psych thing was such that. When I was around Ed, like when you were you're at the chalk box, you, you know, you used ammonia. I can't remember. No. Yeah, you didn't use ammonia, but you, at the chalk box, you'd be putting his belt on, it, or when he's sitting in the chair, he had heat coming off his body. You were like a furnace, right? A little exothermic. Yeah, I mean, but in the competition, it was like the closer you'd get to a world record, you wouldn't notice it so much, but when you got to the big attempts and the squat and the bench and the deadlifts, it's like, damn, it's like there's heat coming off that guy. I would like usually a... just get more and more quiet. Yep. What was the dry heave? I remember watching your video, of course, a million times. I always had that, like, uh, had, like dry heaving going on. Psychosomatic type fucking thing yep. going on where I always had that. I liked it, though. Yeah. yeah. It made you know you were ready. You know? Yeah, after that last, that last cough or dry heave my blood pressure would shoot up and i was like yeah some blood <laughs> and I, I didn't need ammonia because back in those days marty drank a lot so i would just sniff off marty <laughs> it was coming out of his pores <laughs> well, were you, 
Yeah, I am an Irish writer. You know. Were you big into music before the lift, before the meet? Not really, training? but yeah. at the same time, I didn't like it. I didn't like it dead quiet. I just liked like noise. Okay, so you didn't have any special certain songs that you would just blast and and uh, during really. training or anything. Just just something loud to huh. take my mind off not hearing okay. quiet. Yeah, music is very important to a lot of lifters. You know, it was for for Kirk. I think it was. You know, we're we're all us three are always talking about it. How uh, instrumental it is for us. Plus, you don't have to talk to people if you have headphones on. Yeah, yeah you don't have to listen to your own thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I never learned anything listening to myself. Marty, no, talk about talk about the time that uh, your posse collided with uh, Ed's posse. Oh man, in the no, middle we're not going to do now. No, we're not going to go into the personalities. We need to stay on training. Training. No, training. this is about when he recruited you. Uh, it, to, it wasn't a big to, deal. We just saw each other in the street, and he said, "Hey, Doug Furness can't make it from Chicago. We got some. I don't forget what it was. Some. Yeah, but, <laughs> well, I, we had yeah, some issues. Right? Like on your okay, way to eat dinner or something." Yeah, we, yeah, like the spaghetti factory. Yeah, so. the spaghetti factory, right across the street from the Dayton Convention right. Center. The greatest lifting competitions of all time. Am I lying, Ed? Yeah, Larry Larry Pacifico put oh on an unbelievable God. contest. Do you remember the year he had Klaus, the organ player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the blind organ player. Yes, the blind organ player from Europe that he brought in to from play. From Austria. From Austria to play funky organ in between sets, in between lifts. That's and the so guy was awesome. good. The guy was so good, he'd be like, no, no, don't, no, John Gamble, don't come up yet. He's not finished this song. <laughs> yeah. He had Big John Stun hand out trophies once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the best. And then they had, you'd stay in the hotel that was connected to the convention center by was, a skywalk. Uh, hotel. Right. It was a beautiful hotel. And they yeah. had lo lobster buffet on Sunday for 14 yeah. bucks. Yep. But but at the meet, didn't they have like a big smorgasbord over there? Oh, one year he had steam tables set up along one wall at the meat site. Yeah. So you go over and get you know, mashed potatoes, gravy, and a and a bottle of beer for a dollar. Man. Uh, uh, we were sitting down in the front row, man. We had about, I mean, we must have had 27 bottles sitting between three of us. You know, it was like <laughs> bottles all over. This is the greatest. This is the greatest we've ever seen. And we didn't have to yeah. drive anywhere. Who was with me? That was uh, we, we were watching the little guys. So it would have been myself, probably Bob Brandon, and maybe uh, who would you know, Ed? Well, you know Mark, but Mark wasn't much of a he was not much of a drinker. But uh, man, those were those are the best days because again, and then whoever won would be the national champion, man. And the competition was incredible, so deep in each weight class. I mean, to, in the two seventy fives, you'd have to wade through who Doug Furness. Chalet. Uh, Gamble was a little before that that crew, but uh, who else? Uh, uh, the West Coast guys, McCormick and um, Dave Shaw. Who else? Yeah. That? Uh, what was that other guy's name? That then uh, the Texas guys, of course. Doug Young was a little little prior to that, but yeah, he was right before me. Yeah, but I mean, just the depth in each class at the at the forty twos. I think Goggins was a Texas guy back then. Yeah, and he would have been a forty twoer, right? Yeah, uh, two twenty probably way back. Probably two twenty. Yeah, two twenty. Wow, I forgot about that. And still pulling eight hundred. Uh, Danny Gay, I think he was a one eighty er Oh yeah, and and uh, there was a whole bunch of the Texas was always a hotbed. 
you know, in, again, Ohio, you know, in Ohio, you could break it down. And really, you had the Dayton region, the Columbus region, and up north with the Cleveland guys, right? Yeah, the Black South world. Yeah, Black South. Wild ones. <laughs> yeah, well, we, yeah, anyway, we go on and on. You, you know where stuff. I used to see Ed a lot is in uh, Muscle and Fitness magazine. And yeah, he had, he had good tan, didn't he? Yeah, but I remember as a kid, I remember, <laughs> I remember going, you know, it was usually a deadlift shot or something. I go, my God, who is this guy with the neck wider than his head? <laughs> oh, that's Ed Cohn. My dad had to get that big so it wouldn't break because of the size of my head. <laughs> Well, it goes with your feet and your hands. We wouldn't expect yeah. any less. But, I mean, did, back in those days, did we see any other power lifters in, in muscle no. and fitness? No. Joe yeah. Weider actually took a, a, a liking to me. At one time when Fred Hatfield worked there, Fred called me up and he said, Eddie, I want you to do yourself a favor. I go, what? He goes, Joe Weider's going to call you. I go, what? Why? Why the <laughs> hell would he call me? He goes, I want you to endorse... His little weightlifting belt, like the old little leather regular belt, little yeah. tiny little one. He goes, it comes in a box, but it's going to be in every sport mart in the country. And your picture will be on the side of the box. He goes, do it for almost nothing. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. So Joe called me and I did it for almost nothing. Then all of a sudden I had a contract with Weeder where I was getting paid. And yeah. Plus, besides getting paid a month, he would pay for all my training, all my trips. Yep. Fly me out there, put me in a suite, give me a yep. car, yep. and I, I'd have lunches and do photo shoots with. Yep. It was like just Joe Weeder and me and stuff. So I had a really good, you know, time with Joe Weeder. He was an unbelievably nice man. Yeah, we, uh, you, you were. We had at our at our peak at at Weeder, we had thirty three athletes under contract, thirty three bodybuilders. You were the only power lifter. Yeah, I got along yeah. really well with Joe. It was funny. I could call his office. And he would just get on the phone. I was like, wait a second. This guy runs a billion-dollar corporation. Yeah, he, and he does. he would just get on the phone and talk to me. He was just a fan of lifting, wasn't he? Fantasy yeah, he, was. loved, he loved lifting. Yeah. And he gave he gave us a great endorsement for the book we did. Yeah. Uh, you know, so again, yeah, he, he was a big fan. He, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's just that we the uh, power lifting is a sport schismed. First, they lost the ABC TV contract. Then it just it shattered into a you know a hundred federations, and uh, it became totally diluted. Uh, you know when so it was a shame because there was a time when we, when we reunited and we were one organization that we're on the verge of. Um, I'm not saying it would have been a major sport, but they, we could have gotten a, a, a foothold on cable. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a, sure it would have been a fringe sport like it is now. No, no, not at all. Uh, you know, again, it'd be like watching, I don't know, kickboxing, right, for 30 minutes. And they'd have, hey, we've got the, you know, the national championships. And they'd show the, you know, the top lifters in each each weight class. And, you know, but uh, those days are gone because, again, it's be, just become uh, it's the Tower of Babel. There's so many organizations and so many champions and so much, so many variants in the rules that well, it's, see, it's what, can't, what happened is is back in the old days, the Federation was a 501c3, a non-for-profit. But then some federations came in that were for-profit and realized they could make money, and they're, they're paying their, even some of the 501 c's now, 
are still they're they're paying their people. They're paying for all the trips. The athletes don't really get shit. Um, no, no. What so they when, yeah. when people realized they could make money off it. That's when it started changing more. And they they made the money. They forgot. They said, "Listen, there will never be any audience. Forget about the audience. So we'll make our money by raping the lifters." Boy, I tell you. We'll, we'll make them pay $120 to enter a meet and another $100 to enter our federation. Yeah. You know, oh, and if you want to go cross weight classes, because, you know, we have uh, under five foot uh, male uh, Caucasian class that between ages 47 and 48, you, you know, and you can be a national champion if you enter this division, right? And there's, there's nobody in it. So you enter it, you win. And, but there's another $80 on top of your hunt. Yeah, and that's the way they make their money. They, they gouge the lifters. They make the money on the back of the lifters. Well, that's why the, uh, the raw and raw classic with just knee wraps is so big now. Because there's so much less equipment to use and so much less controversy that those, uh, those divisions have really eclipsed any type of uh, equipment lifting now. Oh, equip lifting! Equip lifting is dead. It's yeah, it's pretty dead. Uh, it's Ed, dead. And how much do you think CrossFit has influenced the uh, you know the growth of some of these, Huge. or the resurgence of some of these federations? I guess. Huge. Absolutely. I, right? I remember a few years back when the USAPL had one of their nationals. All of a sudden, the meets went from having men and women's combined having the you know, one hundred and fifty in each men or a little over a hundred in men's and a little over a hundred in women's. So all of a sudden there was like 1100 people in the contest. <laughs> yeah. 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 It definitely brought it to a wider audience for sure. Yeah. And you know, you, I've trained a bunch of people that own CrossFit gyms that I train their trainers. You should. For, yeah. For it's a great to fit. Learn how to do the powerlifting better because yeah. powerlifting gives you uh, inherent physical results that you normally wouldn't get from a lot of other things right that's right yeah and again they, they deadlift right yeah uh they you know they need leg power so all you know of, all kinds of what you know front squat or uh, yeah a, a snatch into a squat or yeah or yeah. whatever or lunge stuff or yeah. whatever they need they need hip and back strength and leg power Yep. The foundation of de deadlifts and squats. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing so, some, some overhead pressing for the Olympic yeah. lift stuff they do and have an Olympic lifter teach them how, proper technique. And all of a sudden, uh, CrossFit is way bigger than powerlifting ever was. <laughs> or is. Yeah. Uh, and it should be, again, because you know what? We can't walk in our hands. Yeah, that's true. So mm. just so I, and, I, and probably could. Yeah, I was just going to say, back in, <laughs> when I was young, I'd come in in the house from being out all night my dad would look at my my hands and look at the top of them and see i just wanted to see if they're scraping yet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt hurt you in the bench press though didn't it yeah not really <laughs> hey, hey I, I decided that i would i had no limits i i didn't say oh i've got long arms that's that, there's my way out of benching a lot I just said, let, let me bench a lot, and I'm going to try, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I found a way to get better. What, uh, what is your training like now? What are you able to do now? Um, you mean I, right, right I, now? Really, right I'm now. really not putting my hands on the bar when I squat. I'm doing my own version of a, like a safety squat bar, but I'm making right. it harder 
where I just put a pair of straps on the bar. Okay. Grab the straps in my hand and put the bar on my back. Got it. And do a bunch of reps because it makes it harder. Yeah. And I've been doing stiff leg deadlifts. I can't really bench with a regular bar, so I'll do like some uh, some dumbbell stuff. Yep. Or you know, like if you if if you lay down and hold a big plate and you do presses like that. Yeah. I've got like a sleeve that I put inside that where I put more more plates onto that plate. Yeah. To mm-hmm. where it doesn't crush your fingers. And I just do what I can. Right. And with a little bit of assistance work. So I look stronger than I am. <laughs> how, how are you dealing with, uh, you know, this lockdown that everybody's going through? I mean, where are you lifting? What are you doing? He, he just told my, you. He my, just my told you. I'm in brother-in-law's basement. And it, it's kind of cool because it feels like when I was a kid. So it's fun. Yep. Yeah. So they and, have all uh, that stuff for you, huh? My my life really hasn't changed that much, anyways. It's, you know, Marty's either. The majority of ma- majority of people suck, so it's not like I was a big people person. No, God, we've been in self self imposed quarantine for the last thirty years, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> makes my makes my life happy. Trust me, it's probably saved some people's lives. Yeah. How much, are, are you in pain uh, day to day, or how's that holding up it, for you? Depending on how I move with my shoulders, right? But uh, I've been stepping up my rehab. There's a like there's there's a few guys out there that are really really good in rehab across the uh, country, and I'll give them a shout out. There's a guy named uh, Tony Rogers, Doctor Tony Rogers, out of Florida. Uh-huh. Rogers Rogers Reset on Instagram. Um, there's Jordan Shallow, Muscle Doc. Yeah. And he, he was like the first chiropractor I saw that was jacked. And I liked it. And then there's a guy out of uh, Australia named Andrew Locke who's unbelievable at rehab, too. But uh, my go-to guy back here is mostly Tony Rogers. And uh, I help him with some powerlifting, and he helps me get healthier. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Now, you get you getting any more Russian massages? No, I haven't seen Boris in a long, long time. Oh, my God. That well, guy. What's, that all, what's, what's that all about? <laughs> uh, Boris was from the Ukraine. <clears throat> And his famous line would to me would be, Erichka, I am very, very sorry for what I'm about to do. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have like a 50 caliber bullet to bite on right away. Uh, I, like, called him, I called him, I called him Dr. Elbows. Yes. Oh, you will love my elbow. <laughs> he, and he weighed about he weighed about three hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, and he was pretty l- fat with these skinny and, legs. And, and all le- of a sudden, you get massaged, and you you look at him, and he's fucking sitting there in his onion uh, underwear, like he's back in a Russian sauna. <laughs> and he's leaning on you with all his weight. Oh my all, god! Oh. He, he used to chalk up his elbows like a pool cue. No way! <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so. I, I was uh, I was staying with Ed in Chicago, and he said, "Ah, well, Boris is here." He said, "Hey, Boris, work on Marty," and so he said, "Oh, okay, we do that." So he just worked on like one. I think he worked on my traps, and that was it. Just just my traps, but uh, I was uh, I was I had no idea, and I was like red as a beet there for like the next eleven days. My skin. Yeah, deep tissue, deep, deep uh, tissue. Oh, man, that was... <laughs> man, that's I the... had no idea. Oh, yeah, he'd get down into the skeletal muscles. It's uh, it's great. For lifters, that deep tissue, that active release, all that stuff helps so much. And he, yeah, he would he... just... 
he would work on me and invent stuff on how my body was. Uh, he picked up an injury in me that had occurred like, I don't know, two years before. I hadn't mentioned it to him. He said, oh, he said, you have uh, scar tissue here. You see, you had injury? I said, man, how'd you know that? Yeah. No problem. Did he apologize to you for oh, what man, he was I, about to do? Oh, I could barely walk. I think I had to get crutches or something <laughs> to walk out of there. It was rough. <laughs> the good days. Hey, hey, Ed. Hey, Ed. What are a couple of key things that made you the world's greatest? I mean, what, what were you doing that? I mean, mentally, physically, what key things come to mind that you think you were doing that nobody else was doing or could do? I think I was more mentally in tune with my body than most. That's, that's, yeah, that seems. So like I had it, a yeah. different feel. So you know, I, I never was weights and training. I would make up my training routines that were based on what I knew. I, I could project to be able to do, and I knew I was like uh, like how Trump treats the media now. He's, he sends out something, but he's already three steps ahead. Yeah. Like, I knew how my body was going to react to these lifts and to these exercises to set me up to do this, that would set me up to do this, that would set me up to do this at a later date. So I was always a, a few steps ahead knowing that if I completed this the right way, that it would take me to a different spot all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you were very instinctive. Yeah, but it just goes to show you. you know, uh, we, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. It was also right. very planned. Right, that's what I mean. You know, the, it just goes to show you. Now, we've all been around, you know, NFL guys or NBA, you know, all the elite, whatever sport or activity, the greatest people are no dummies. The greatest people have plans. The greatest people stick to the plan. And they're different. They do things you can differently. only get to a certain point. Marty and I talk about this all the time. You want to surf New Jersey waves, you want to surf Hawaii waves. The Hawaii wave surfers are at a different level, man. And it's mental, and it's knowing your body, and it's having a plan and sticking to it. You know, it's uh, it's it's a common thread through everyone that's that's done great things. Yep, you know where you want to go. You know how to get there. Stick to it. Put your what your nose to the grindstone and just yeah. fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah, Ed, there was no way that you were not going to succeed in this in powerlifting. Is that right? I mean, you just told yourself you were going to do it, and you did it. I, I told myself that I could get better, mm -hmm. so I just kept getting better. Never said time and time again. I didn't concentrate on a certain number, like per se. I got to hit this number. I knew I could hit certain numbers at certain times, and that's all I did. Yeah, but it, it but wait, it also helps when your numbers go up like a like a missile for the first five years of your career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were were you ever satisfied? I mean most of us are stay not enthused. It's pretty easy to stay enthused. Well, you know, even though even though, you know without a couple injuries I knew what I could have lifted, mm -hmm. my enjoyment came from being the little kid that I enjoyed the training in the gym more than I did anything else. Yeah. Gotta love the training. <clears throat> or else yeah. we still wouldn't be doing it now. Right, right. right. You know, and Martin yeah. talks about guys that were world champions, but they didn't necessarily like the training. Yeah, we knew guys like that. I don't think Mark Chalet really was in love with uh, powerlifting. Kenny Fantana certainly wasn't. I mean, they just were good at it, right? Yeah. They had these great bodies for yeah, it. But, Every, but a, a lot of them don't last as long. Yeah, that's and, never, what I was and, and they never keep training after they're done. 
Well, yeah, I would agree with that. You got to have that deep passion that just keeps fueling you forward. Yeah. You know, I I, chew, I I make a choice every day. Someone asks how you doing, I said, fine, it's my choice. Yeah, I make a choice every day to feel good. That's right. And you know what? Uh, I I got my diet straightened out by Stan Efferding, and sometimes it's weird because you almost feel guilty for feeling so good all the time. Right. Roger that. More like the diet that he's talking about with the is it the vertical diet? Is that, yeah. that what he's, okay. Yeah. 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 Can can we talk about one last thing here? Now, uh you guys wrote a book together, you and Marty. Yeah, Marty um, wrote it. I dictated a lot, then he put it into uh his uh samurai sensei words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody indeed. had so, somebody had to document it. It could yes. not it would have been a damn crime for that for that strategy to not be documented somewhere. Tom, that also if that video is still available, Ed, people should buy that. That's the funny. one you did with Tommy. So good. I think I might have some stored. You 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 ought to you ought to get those. You ought to talk to JP and see if you can get those back revived because those were fantastic. He goes through you've seen it, uh, Jimmy. He goes through the yeah. basic lifts. He shows everybody how to do the lifts. He goes through the programming. They go through everything. You've got the uh, the the visual uh, programming on the screen. I mean, it's it, it was a very sophisticated uh, thing for back then. You guys are sitting in front of the fireplace. Oh, so tell me, Ed, uh, how did you get so strong? Yeah, that was with Milanovic. <laughs> with Tommy, yeah, Milanovic. I've oh, seen that. that. I've what have I seen? Yeah, I couldn't wait for it to come in the mail. I was so excited. <laughs> I called Quad's gym and I talked to Tom and I was asking him about it and he said, Wait till you get Davey. Tommy and I kept Davey. running out to the mailbox <laughs> waiting for it, waiting for it. Yeah. I mean and you don't even know, you know, I'm sure Ed, you don't how many people you've inspired and uh you know, Kirk's D V D too. I watch that a million times. Just it's just like God, you can get there. You can do that as a human. You know what I mean? But, but you know what? I think I think to this day, I think one of uh, Ed's most inspiring videos, uh, and Kirk's in it too. It's called Ed Cohn and Kirk Kowalski, African Safari 1994. <laughs> and it's on uh, YouTube. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk will pick up a cobra or stick his head inside a lion. Oh, you man. guys are in a van. I was just, I got it up now. You got ostriches like poking their heads in the van. And I like everybody's story. freaking well, out. Listen, li- listen to this. <laughs> so we're inside a van and the, the, the window slid side to side. Yeah. And at what point, uh, we had like Scott Smith, a big guy, Mike, mm. one of our coaches. Oh, no. No, not we Mick had, uh, oh, God. Jeff Lewis, who was 550 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> We had, we had a few people in this van, and we stopped right in the middle of a giant open prairie. Uh, and all of a sudden, like four ostriches start coming up towards the van. <laughs> and Scott Smith kind of sticks his hat near the window that was open, and he tries to poke at his hat, so he closes his window. And Kirk's sitting up in front of me. So his window was open, and the thing got real close, and Kirk kind of closed his window. I reached over and chicken wing both of his arms and stuck his head next to the open window. <laughs> and here you have this ostrich like flipping at his head and face <laughs> like Garfield Goose. Oh my that's, God. That's, that still might be the best app workout I've ever had in my life. <laughs> You're laughing so hard. Too bad it didn't 
peck the hell out of him and leave a bunch of marks. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, you know, but by the end of our little uh, safari, because we had gone through a, a lion park where lions were, like, fighting because of, of the pride and stuff like that. Needless to say, by the time we got done, we got back to the hotel. Our driver, it was his first day on the job, uh, he ended up quitting that day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure. I'm sure Mick Golden must have acted up in some oh, yeah. weird way, right? Oh yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that's a good video. You guys are on there holding tigers and yeah, chasing lions. zebras or something. Lions running with zebras. Yeah. Yeah. Shane was with you on that trip, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. That was Johannesburg, South Africa. Shane, Shane would tell me about. Uh, jumping off a wall into a bunch of um, foam. Oh hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at a uh, some school, and they had a uh, a pool that was filled up with foam for uh, gymnastics yeah. people. Yeah. And like like foam, uh, not like foam, like those foam like, cubes or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the German lifter at one ninety eight, Frank Schramm. Climbs up to where the bleachers bleachers would normally be, but the, the, he climbs up to the top next level, stands on the railing backwards and does a perfect backflip into the foam from mm. that high up. Wow! Like two stories up. Was there alcohol involved? No. None. What was, was his body weight? Worse. What was his body weight? Frank Schramm was one ninety eight. But he was very dwarfish. Okay. Yeah, he had an unbelievable physique. Yeah, but like five foot one or something. Yeah, he was. He was, he was short. He uh, was a great squatter, giant legs, great upper body. Good bencher. Yes. Kirk had so a, a bunch Shane, of Shane, Shane jumped off that thing too, didn't he? Yeah, a lot of us did. We had our uh, our little guy Phil Heil, our one fourteen pounder, jump off it, and it, it took us like ten minutes to find him. <laughs> <laughs> We, we had to pull him off by his feet like the Wicked Witch of West getting stuck under the house. <laughs> Dr. Phil. Uh, I used to warm up. When he lifted, I'd get down on my knees so him and I'd be the same height. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when I'd handle him, you know, with the, like, tighten his belt up and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, think he's, I don't think he's any longer with us. No, he passed away young. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad it thing. Like uh, lung and heart issues. Yeah, yeah. He was a good little lifter. All right, JP. Uh, Ed, do you want to? Uh, let's see your your book, Cone the Man, the Myth, the Method. Um, you can find That's that on Amazon. Anymore. Right? Is it's it on I, Amazon? It's, it's, I have it on ebook though. Okay. So it's real cheap on on Amazon. Okay. What else is I going had, on? Uh, I mean, I had one of the Gillingham brothers, uh, Wade Gillingham, put it in the ebook for format. Okay, he did it off for me. Good, good. Are you doing uh, any other projects? I look at your Instagram from time to time, and you're out there. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, since since the uh, quarantine stuff, I I haven't been able to. We had a whole bunch of stuff uh, canceled, but uh, towards the end of June, like June twentieth, no, the June twenty seventh. We're supposed to have the first Ed Cohen Classic in Omaha, Nebraska, at Omaha Barbell. Okay. How'd you end up there? 
uh, a good friend of mine named Brett Carter, him and his wife, Amber, they own Omaha Barbell, which is a great gym for uh, powerlifting and other stuff. Excellent. So, and he's got some fantastic people there. And uh, and he asked me if he could run it, and he's probably the only guy I would trust so we could have a good time and, you know. So got some good stakes out there. Yeah, What's and, a- and a- a- right around that, that same weekend is when uh, – uh, Berkshire Hathaway has their uh, big meeting. Hmm. Well, we'll do, have to crash that. How do yeah, people we'll find out? By. How do people get information on that that event? Uh, just go to Omaha Barbell. Okay. On uh, Facebook or Instagram or omahabarbell.com probably. What What's your Instagram address? Uh, I don't know if it's Ed Cohen or Eddie Cohen. Yeah, just type that in. It'll come up. How about a website? Do you have a website? Nah. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else coming up? Because you do quite a bit of seminars and things like that when things are back to normal, right? Yeah, when things are back to normal, they'll be up and running, and I'll be traveling the world. Okay. Sounds great stuff. Well, that's good, man. We, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to hang with us. I think we all had a lot of fun. We learned a couple of things. And um, we want to we want to get you back on. We're going to do one of these, but we're just going to some. You, know, you guys be ready. Bring up a name, and we'll talk about them. Yeah, love it. <clears throat> yeah. All right, buddy. We appreciate it very much. And uh, thank this you guys. Was, you guys yeah. are a riot. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, this was great. I'll say, Ed. I'll tag you in this uh, when we go ahead and post the podcast. But it'll be up either today or probably Monday. So I just uh, tag you on Instagram. Sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate All right, it. buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, my boy. See you guys. Okay. See you, Marty. All right, my man. Yeah.